This is the Father Matters Show with your host, Vance Sims. Father Matters is committed to building stronger, healthier communities by supporting, encouraging, and enlightening today's fathers and families. And now, your host, Vance Sims. Welcome to the Father Matters Show. I'm your host, Vance Sims. Thank you for joining us on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. It is hot, hot, hot. It is a early 4th of July celebration from me to you. I hope you have a safe 4th of July this coming up week. Be safe, be safe, be safe. Now, Jeremy, we was talking about this before we went on the air. I said, I'm just, you know, it's early 4th of July and you was calling it half Christmas. It is 625 is that technically six more months till Christmas. So, wow. Half Christmas. So happy early half Christmas and happy early 4th of July. If you are not yet a partner with Father Matters, would you please consider becoming a Father Matters partner? The Father Matters show is listener supported and all Father Matters programs and services are free to the community because of your generous donations. For more information about donating to Father Matters, log on to fathermatters.org. Listen, um, we are launching our Parenting Across Culture Parenting Class, Parenting Across Cultures Parenting Classes, Tuesday nights from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. We are launching this beginning Tuesday, August the 8th. We've done three cycles of these over the last year and a half, and it is always jam-packed. And this year, we kick it off Tuesday night, uh, August 8th. From 6 to 8 p.m. For registration information, log on to fathermatters.org. Do not miss that. Parenting Across Cultures. And we have a special show today because we're going to hear from DCS, Department of Child Safety, who our speakers are Jeanette Bell and Casey Melzack. They were presenters at our Father Matters Court and Custody Conference this year. They did a phenomenal job. And I wanted to run this because still to this day, we get a ton of emails, a ton of phone calls from customers, clients who are saying, my children are in the DCS system. What can I do? What are they doing? Why? Well, I figure let's run this from the, uh, fifth annual Father Matters Court and Custody Conference. And Jeanette Bell and Casey Melzack is going to tell you a little bit. Basically, we're going to start it off with Casey sharing a little bit about walking out a a case. So I'm going to come back in the middle of the show and I'm going to come back at the end of the show. And I think talking with Jeremy, we may be doing a part two on this because this is a serious situation. Jeremy, let's run this. So we're going to kind of go through a flow of a DCS case and there's many different avenues and it's going to be a lot more can be a lot more complicated than just a slide. So um, we have some PowerPoints out there that can kind of help guide you as well through that case. So the first is we get alerted by our child abuse hotline about a report. Um, the next slide will help explain that a bit. So how to report child maltreatment. We have our hotline information, and it's one eight 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 sos child or the number is there as well. And we also have online reporting services that we did not have, that's probably in the last two years that we have. So you can both call and um, make an online submission. Um, Our hotline is open 24 hours a day, every day of the week. Um, You should get a pickup of a call within a a few seconds. They've eliminated their timelines a lot, so it's very quick and responsive to you. 
All right. So once we receive a hotline report, we determine if it meets criteria for a report or if it goes to a communication. Um, so there's different criteria that we would take under the Arizona revised statutes that would meet a report or it would go under a communication type, which doesn't necessarily mean it's a full-blown investigation for us. And there's different priorities that we have when it's sent out to the field of how quickly we respond to a report. So if it's a priority one report, we would get out there within two hours, which it usually means that there's imminent safety issues with that child and we need to respond quickly. Go to the next one. Um, up here is just kind of the um, Arizona revised statutes. Um, we have different hotline reports meet criteria for criminal conduct, um, and that is usually involving a criminal-type case or report. So if it's a physical abuse case, that might elicit a criminal conduct, which requires a different type of investigation that we work with law enforcement well. So if a child is showing with bruises, then the police would probably be involved in that investigation as well as the Department of Child Safety. Next one. So once it goes out to the field, the field will respond and gather information out with the family. So they will interview the children in the home. They will interview the victim children. They will interview the parents, um, any caregivers for the child. And based on their assessment of the um, information that they receive, it, the case could go a variety of routes, which you can see up on the slide. So the case could be closed, saying that there's no DCS intervention, that we didn't need to inter intervene, there's no safety issues, there's no risks, and we can close the case successfully. Um, there's other times where the child might be safe, but there's some risks that are going on in the home that we need to intervene and potentially put services in place to help the family out. And then there's other times where the child is unsafe and we need to intervene to keep the child safe. Um, how we do that is through a different process. So we have in-home services that we can put in place to help address those safety issues, or we could also do some safety planning where we would have a safety monitor in place, or we potentially could have to bring the child into out-of-home care to keep that child safe. Um, and then from there, in the in-home services, we can close the case if we're able to eliminate the safety or risk factors. Next slide. Um, the law requires us to investigate all reports of, of abuse or neglect. So, and if it's defined, if the report comes into our hotline and it meets the criteria for the um, ARS statutes that say that's a report, we have to investigate it. We can't decide or elect that this doesn't meet, you know, criteria to do an investigation. We have to do a full-blown investigation regardless. Um, Again, if the report has alleges criminal conduct, law enforcement might be involved or our Office of Child Welfare Investigations. Um, they work in conjunction with us to um, investigate criminal conduct, criminal-type cases. Um, we'll come to your home. We'll sit down with you. We'll figure out what's going on. We'll talk to the kids. We'll try to get as much of a global assessment as possible to make a good safety decision. Um, and it's a hope that we can establish a good relationship with you so that we can make the best possible outcome for your family. Next.
next one. All right. Um, the global assessment will determine if there's present danger for a child, impending danger, and then we will do a risk assessment. So if there's present danger, examples would be a child left alone um, with a two-year-old that has no parent or caregiver there to care for them, or a child that's wandering on the streets and there's no parent or caregiver. That would be a present danger type situation. Impending danger is if there's substance abuse problems, um, and it's affecting the ability for that parent to care for that child, um, or they may be having some neglectful behaviors as a parent, um, that might be, be some impending danger, but it really is case-specific. It's hard to generalize without having all of the information. And then we do a risk assessment. So there could be a variety of risks involved with their family, including mental health issues, domestic violence, substance abuse history, um, child's special needs, um, child's behaviors. There's just a bunch of things that we try to assess to um, put in the best possible services that we can. So like I said, there's possible outcomes to an investigation. The child could be found as safe and there's no intervention and the case would be then closed. Um, the child would be, could be still safe, but there's some things that we need to work on and that would remain open and we could send that to our in-home services unit. Or the child is unsafe and we need to develop a safety plan or we need to take that child from the home. So there's some different levels of in-home services that we provide. And it, it's based on the risk of the family. So high-risk cases, those would be our um, intensive services, where that's our family preservation um, services. They're out there multiple times a week between, like, 90 to 100 um, days. A lot of our substance-exposed newborns qualify under some high-risk because we want to get as much intervention and services in place so that it could be supportive to that family going forward. We have moderate-risk family preservation services, so it's not as intense. It's a few times a week out there, maybe less, um, and it's not as long as a period. And then we have a low-risk service called Building Resilient Families, which is our preventative services where a case can actually be closed, but we felt like the family needed additional services, so we put we referred for that. And especially on the, the, the BR, we call it the BRF, we're not always saying that we want the service. A lot of the times what we'll do is we'll ask the family, what can we do to assist? What kind of services can we, can we offer? So we're looking to the family to engage with us. We're looking to the parents to engage with us to say we could, we could absolutely benefit from those services. Other services we can do is substance abuse testing and treatment. We can do child care. We can refer for counseling, um, parenting skills. We can try to get assistance with housing and food and, and that type of thing. So if there's really a need for your family, we can try to navigate and getting you those resources as much as possible. So after an investigation is completed, we make a determination regarding the allegations that were submitted to us if a finding will be substantiated or unsubstantiated. An unsubstantiated finding means that there was insufficient evidence to conclude that abuse or neglect took place in that um, situation. A substantiated event would mean that we did find evidence that there was abuse or neglect occurred. Now that doesn't substantiation and unsubstantiated does not always necessarily mean that a child would come in and out of home care. It just depends on the situation and what happened in the, in the safety assessment that was done. If a, a mother committed physical abuse, but the father is a protective factor and he's able to care for the child safety, safely, then 
that case would potentially substantiate against mom, but the child would be able to stay safely with the father. If you are substantiated on a report, you're allowed to appeal that hearing, um, and it's, it goes to our um, DCS Protective Services review team. They review all the information um, and determine if they agree with the decision that our um, case manager had made on the substantiation or not, and then um, we'll notify that parent in writing what the decision is if they are moving forward with the substantiation or not. Um, if PS, we call it PSRT, um, agrees with the decision, then it will be scheduled for the off, a hearing with the Office of Administrative Hearings, and an administrative law judge will then review the information to determine the substantiation um, is appropriate or not. Um, and the director can agree or disagree. It, it goes all the way up to the director whether they agree with that administrative law judge's decision. So that's not just because we send you a letter saying that you're substantiated on doesn't necessarily mean you don't continue your pro, a, a legal process of trying to dispute that or not. You're listening to the Father Matters Show with Vance Sims. And today we're hearing from Jeanette Bell and Casey Melzack. They were speaking at our fifth annual Father Matters Court and Custody Conference. They represent the Department of Child Safety. If you're just tuning in, you can catch the top of the show at fathermatters.org. Also catch the Father Matters Show nationally every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time by logging on to blogtalkradio.com or catch our archive shows anytime worldwide at soundcloud.com. We're going to jump back into this, but again, this is Jeanette Bell and Casey Melzak from DCS, Department of Child Safety. Okay. So if we have decided that it is, um, there's some prevalent safety issues and that a child cannot potentially remain in the home safely or there's a safety plan in place, what we, there's a long convoluted process that can go forward with that. And the first part is our team decision-making meeting. And we can go to the next slide. So anytime a child is removed from our care, it, the decision is not one person alone. It's a team of people, and we call these meetings TDMs, where it's a group. It's facilitated by someone with the department, but it's a group of people, the case manager, the supervisor, potentially the per, an APM who runs that office, as well as the family. So we want moms, dads aunts, uncles, grandparents, anybody that can be part of that meeting present so that they can help us make a good safety decision and make recommendations for safety. Anybody in the community, providers that are working with the family, they're also encouraged to attend as well. Um, If the child has been removed immediately, like in that present danger situation, a TDM would have to be scheduled within about 48 hours at max 72 hours to determine the, the course of that case, if the child's still going to remain home or if we can change, send that child home with a safety plan in place. Um, the possible outcomes of a TDM meeting would be that we could do an in-home intervention, an in-home dependency, or an out-of-home dependency. Um, another is a foster, a voluntary foster care agreement as well. So there's different things that can result out of that meeting, and then we'll go into those.
The first one is the voluntary foster care agreement. It's a time-limited service that can have the child in an out-of-home care setting for a minimal set of days. So the safety issues are very small and can be resolved probably in the next 60 to 90 days to where that child could go home safely. Um, It's a plan with the family and it's pretty aggressive and what needs to happen to get that child home safely. It avoids court involvement um, and it's very short-term, small plan. Um, not always, it, it depends on the situation, but it's not always used very widely because a lot of the situations can't be easily resolved in 60 to 90 days at times. Um, it can, the child can be placed in a kinship placement during that time as well, so it does not have to be in a foster care setting. It could be with a, a kinship provider as well. Go ahead. The next one is an in-home intervention. This can be used when the child hasn't been removed from the home, um, and the child, but there still needs to have some court oversight. Um, so there's, it's an agreement that the parent says agrees to the court having some oversight, but they still retain some legal custody and physical physical custody of the child. And there's a hearing set within 21 days to where the court kind of oversees and discusses the case, sees what's going on, um, and then you'll have um, periodic hearings after that. The parents have to agree to the in-home intervention. Um, It's a plan that everybody comes to agree to together. And then we work, we visit monthly, if not weekly, to make sure that that plan is going well um, and that everybody's keeping the child safe and there's no safety issues that are continuing to arise. The next one is an in-home dependency. This is when there's a little more court oversight and the department retains legal custody of the child, but the parent retains physical custody of the child. Um, The first court date is generally um, within five to seven days. Again, we really need some agreement with the parent that they're going to follow through with this plan of the court overseeing it. Um, We're going to consistently assess the safety of the child in that home, and we're out there pretty regularly making sure that everything's going smoothly. Um, You can have a substantiation of abuse or neglect allegations with an in-home dependency as well. Next slide. Then the least restrictive is an out-of-home dependency. Most restrictive. Most restrictive, sorry. Yeah, not least restrictive. Um, This is when a child is removed from the home. They cannot stay with the parent um, safely, and the child would either be placed in a kinship foster care setting or um, with a foster family or a group home setting or whatever placement we have identified that needs to keep that child safe. Um, A petition is filed within the court within 72 hours of a of the removal of that child of the home. Um, And we have given the parent written notice called a temporary custody notice that we have taken custody of their child and that they are no longer the legal guardians of that child or have physical custody of that child. Um, We will state what the reasons for that removal is um, so that you're aware of it. And we will be setting up those meetings and and, um, that team decision-making meeting to discuss that. And that could be one of the outcomes in that meeting as well as to go forward with an out-of-home dependency. 
Next slide. So this is kind of a dependency timeline, and I know it's kind of hard to see. On the out-of-home dependencies, we serve the TCN immediately. Um, we have to file a petition with the court within 72 hours. And within five to seven days, you will have a court hearing scheduled to notify, um, to discuss the process of, of the court being involved. You'll have an attorney appointed for you, or um, you can hire your own private counsel. At the preliminary protective conference and hearing, this is where you meet to discuss the case, why the child's in care. This is when you should be meeting with an attorney. Um, and then these are the subsequent hearings that would happen in the life of a dependency case. So at 21 days of the child being in care, you would have an initial dependency hearing. You could have mediations and pre-trials if you don't agree with the um, department's finding. Publication hearings, we have review hearings. Depending on the age of the child, that could be every um, 90 days or it could be every six months. And then permanency hearings. At the 9 to 12 month mark, we have to make a decision of what is the best permanent plan for that child. And so we would have permanency hearings for that. Um, Within the initial removal of that child within 30 days, we need to identify relatives that could be a potential placement for that child. So we really like to work with families and parents to identify anybody that has a significant relationship with that child or that could, um, is a relative to that child, really anybody that knows that child. That's Jeanette Bell and Casey Melzack. They are representatives from the Department of Child Safety. I want you to reach out to someone that you know who may be going through this. Have them listen to this show. We are going to continue and do a part two next week. Uh, while we was off air, while you was listening to this, Jeremy and I decided let's push this back and do a part two because she's going to get deeper into this. Um, because we all know someone who's going through this or maybe even been through this situation where the Department of Child Safety had to step in and, uh, you know, Take over the family for a little bit. But this is why I want you to also plug into our Parenting Across Cultures parenting classes that's beginning August 8th, Tuesday nights from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. to 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. For registration information, log on to fathermatters.org. <clears throat> I will tell you, they will uh, basically tell you that you need to take parenting classes so if you're going through this with someone you know, they're going to have to take parenting classes. This is a heavy, heavy situation, and it's heavy on people's hearts at all times. This is why when we're not on the air, we're doing workshops and trainings. I'm, I'm taking the studio out to the, to the streets, to the communities, so we can get shows like this. So you don't have to hear from me. I don't have all the answers, but we put together events and conferences and workshops to bring in the professionals. And when I can, I package it up and I bring it to the show because we constantly get emails about questions about Department of Child Safety. What are, what are the people's rights? What are the parents' rights, the children's child's rights? And this is why we're running this show. And we're going to run it next week as well. So if you missed the top of this show, you know, go to blogtalkradio.com, soundcloud.com, uh, fathermatters.org, but also tune in. But if you know someone that's going through this, share this show with them, forward it. If you are an organizational leader, you, 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 with the churches, share this information. 
You know, when people say they got questions about certain things, go through the Father Matters archive shows. We've had guests from all angles, backgrounds, organizations, churches, agencies. We have answers for you. So tune in. We're going to get this next week, but also coming up. Uh, July 6th is the Father Matters Job and Training Institute. A lot of people who lose, lose their child or children is because they're not working. They lack of finances or they have a bad background. We can help with all these situations. And if Father Matters can't help directly, we have resources. We would like we are the resource to the resource. That's what I like to say about Father Matters. Father Matters is the resource for the resource to the resources. So give us a call 602-774-3298 or email us at info at fathermatters.org. So we're going to leave this where it is for this week and lead into next week with Jeanette Bell and Casey Melzack from the Department of Child Safety. So two events, parenting across cultures, parenting classes, Register online at fathermatters.org. That begins Tuesday nights. It's 11 weeks, August 8th. And also catch our July 6th Father Matters Job and Training Institute. So until next week, thank you for tuning in to the Father Matters Show. Send us your questions or comments to info at fathermatters.org. Like always, thank you to my engineer, Jeremy Siegel. Wednesday, July 6th, Father Matters is hosting a Father Matters Job and Training Institute. Log on to fathermatters.org for more information. See you next week at the same time, same place. Have a safe week. Thank you and God bless.